Hi everybody, this is Connie Bloom from Electric Boys and you're watching CMS TV. Chris Aiken presents that, of course, was King Cobra. That was Hunger. And here to talk about brand new King Cobra, which I, I'm thrilled to say that there is brand new King Cobra, brand new release called We Are Warriors. It is out now and on to speak all about it. The legend himself, Mr. Carmine Apiece. Yeah. Carmine, how are you, sir? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay. I salute your shirt, Carmine. Well, I tell you what, I tried to get on the computer, but for some reason it wasn't working. So. And now I, I see it works on the phone, so. Oh, we got you. That's all that matters. And okay. and certainly it's great to um, talk to you, man. And it's great to have King Cobra music out. Kind of a reconstructed King Cobra, I guess. So uh, tell us well, a little yeah, bit about I mean, We Are uh, Warriors. We tried to get you know, Dave and Mick, uh, the guitar players, to do this, but they didn't want to do it. They said, why bother? Right. Nobody hears it. Nobody sees it. Nobody buys it. So it's just a waste. So I said, well, let's just try and keep the legend going, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so Paul was into it. Johnny Rod was into it. Paul's been with us since 2010 or 11. Sure. You know? And uh, Johnny's the same. And so we got uh, Carlos Cavazzo and Rowan Robinson to, to play with us on that. And, and you know, and it is hard to get out on the road. You know, it takes a lot of money, which... Uh, you know, when they offer us gigs, it doesn't, they offer us money, but not enough to really pay for everything, you know? Right. So Certainly. we'd like to get out there, but it's, maybe we should do a GoFundMe. I don't know. <laughs> we were just talking about that because I, I play for Stephen Piercy and to get the band sometime to the location could be five to $7,000 in, in uh, plane tickets. Yeah. Uh, you know, by the time you pay everything, fly everybody or... We take a truck with gas prices now and everything. It's just ridiculous, you know. Have you seen they offer, flying they change? They offer you, you know, you got to get like seventy-five to ten thousand a night to make it work. Because by the time you pay agents and managers and and pay, you know, everybody, the roadies, and yeah, you know, I'm certainly not going to go set my own stuff up at this point. <laughs> so, you know, best we can do is these kind of interviews. And I know Paul and, and Carlos have been doing a bunch. I've been kind of staying away from it because I've been backing the Beck Bogan piece box set that just came out, you know, right. confuse everybody. Right on. 
Do you say well, smoking the peace pipe? <laughs> well, um, um, Carmine, let, let's talk about Carlos and Ro- and uh, Rowan coming into the band. Where I mean, I'm sure you knew them from you know your oh, know history Carlos, playing, I know, but I know Carlos forever. Sure, you know, and so, so, from the days when you know that first album came out with them, they recorded it in Pasha, and you know, I was recording at Pasha at that time. Matter of fact, the drum sound that was on Quiet Riot record was put together by me and Dwayne Barron, the engineer, over at Pasha. And uh, Frankie Benelli was the first one to get success out of that new drum sound. You know, sounded and, amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a great drum sound. You know, it was when I first recorded it in 1982 with Ted Nugent. The drum sound was terrible. So after that, you know, uh, they were releasing my solo album, Pasha, and I talked to Spencer, who was the producer. I said, dude, we got to upgrade this drum sound here because it's really bad. You know, and that was my specialty. You know, after working with guys like Andy Johns with the Rod Stewart band, and right. he knew how to get great drum sounds, and he did drum sounds for everybody, including Led Zeppelin, and The Who, and you know, Rod. The older Rod albums I did was with uh, with Andy. You know, like the Hot Legs and all those songs were mm-hmm. big fat drum sound that Andy showed me how to do. So I transferred it to Pasha, and um, you know, I did it on the Derringer and the Peace album. Uh, called DNA, and I did it on uh, a Vanilla Fudge uh, 1984 album, and I did it on the King Cobra record, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, so then they did it on uh, Quite Right, so I knew Carlos from way back then, and uh, Rowan I knew from when he joined Dio, because, you know, Dio was very close uh, to me. They were, mm-hmm. He was like family, because my brother played with him. Right. And my brother played with him. Uh, Ronnie became family. He'd be, you know, come to our family outings, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff because he had really no family out there. You know, so, you know, so, so that's how I knew those guys. And, and basically, when the, the guys didn't do it, I was talking to Paul. I go, well, who do you think we can get? So Paul said, well, my wife is friends with Carlos's wife. Maybe we should talk to Carlos. So we did talk to Carlos. Okay. And he was into it. And then uh, Rowan played in the uh, Rock Vault with Paul in Vegas. And I knew he was a great player. And, and Paul said, well, what about Rowan? I said, well, Rowan would be great. So we asked Rowan. He said, fine. So we had to pick a Rowan, he's Rowan and I are the same age. And when he was playing for Dio, uh, it was so cool to see a 17-year-old kid who was my age at the time get to play in a big heavy metal band like that. Right. Young had gotten the gig. And I remember going to the show. I remember Love Hate opening the show at Irvine Meadows. And he did great at that. It was pretty amazing. Somebody that yeah, young could, could step on stage. Player. Some of the solos he did on this album are great. Uh, you know, I can't remember who did what anymore because we, we recorded it all, you know, at our own studio. This is my studio here. I don't know if you can see that. Can you yeah. See? You know, I got the drums set up. They always stay set up, they never move. That way I can come in here at any time, put on the computer and play play a track and they got great drum sounds. And the bass drums I have there are my 1971 Ludwig 24 by 15, which is different, bass drums that I use with Cactus. Wow. And they sound amazing, you know. So it's a mutt of a drum set. I got D-drum toms and there's a slingle and snare and I got other snares in the closet, you know, but... It's great. I got the room mics right sitting next to me here. See that? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, this is like a, a kitchen. There's a kitchen here. You know, it's a guest house in my house, and I turned it into a studio. Right on. I love it. I just walk in, turn on the computer, and I do it. I, I'm my own engineer now. I learned how to engineer it. So, sure. Uh, you know, I had a big drum book called Realistic Rock. So I call the studios the Realistic Rock Studios. Right. Know? Now, these are these your tapes that you put out back in the day? Because I was hearing about these that, like, all drummers bought your tapes back yeah. in the 80s. Like, you yeah, had well, drum instruction videos. Tapes, mostly my drum book, the actual book itself. Right. The, the book, book. Uh, everybody went through my book. Dave, Dave Weckl, uh, uh, Joey Jorgensen, the original drummer, Slipknot, and... Yeah, and, and um, the, the female drummer that joined Motley Crue, and I mean, mm -hmm. Google Dolls drummer. There's so many drummers that went through it. You had Greg Bissonette, you know, it was just like a staple in drum books. I was very happy when it came out like that. Even Andrew Dice Clay went through it. Right, he's a drummer. <laughs> right, How about that, you know. Uh, but you know, so I just called the studio Realistic Rock Studios. And that's the one in the back bedroom is my wife. She's a radio talk show host, so she was called the Radio Chick. So we got the Radio Chick studio is, is B, 1B. And we got a plaque outside. You know, it's, it's fun. We made it fun. It lights up from the back. You know, but I love it. I've done so much stuff in here. I did this King Cobra album. I'm working on a brand new Cactus album that's called Influence and Friends. I got so many people. I got Doug Aldridge. I got uh, Joe Bonamassa. Billy Sheehan, Doug, um, Doug Pinnock, Ty Tabor, uh, wow. Marco Mendoza, I mean, Dee Snyder, all these guys that were Cactus fans played on the track. And I did my drums here, and then we sent it out to the singer. He did a guitar and vocal, and then we just spread it out. And that's how you do this. You know, we did the King Cobra record by Paul starting it with a click with a guitar, whether he played the guitar and sent it to me, and I put the drums on it, and then we sent it to to um, one of the guitar players, either Carlos or, or Rowan, they put the rhythm. And then Johnny Rod went to uh, Vegas and put the bass on it. Paul did the vocals. And then once the bass was on it, I might have said, yeah, I like to fix this drum part or that drum part. And they would send it back to me. It was like crisscrossing all over, all over America on the internet. <laughs> sure. And then we sent it to our mixer, Pat Regan, who does an amazing job. As you can hear that, we're, we are the Warriors record sounds great. It kicks ass. It sure you know? does. Well, it, 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 Carmine, talk talk a little bit about the change. Because, you know, you came up in the era where everybody got in a room and you slugged it out. And everybody, you know, slugged it out to get their parts in. Where now it is, you know, throw me an email or let's do it over a Zoom call or whatever. Do you like that it's gotten that way, or do you wish that it was still I, I the actually, old way? I actually do, because, you know, in the beginning, when I used to record, we used to record the the band, right? Mm -hmm. And then they keep the drums, and everybody else would be able to overdub. Except way back in the day, Vanilla Fudge, you know, it was limited then because we only had 8-track machines. Right. You know? But as it graduated up to 16 and 24, you know, the drums went down and then everybody played. You, know, you put a bass on. If the bass player didn't like the chorus, he repunched it in. And he used to piss me off. I said, man, why? The drums got to be able to do that. So in yeah. 1982, when I was recording at Pasha, me and Dwayne Barron, that engineer again, he went on to produce No More Tears with Ozzy. Right. You know, he's a great engineer and a great producer. 
you know, I said, you know, I want to be able to cut the drums. So we started doing the first album I did it to was that Derringer and the Peace record, where we put a track, a click down, and I would play the song with the band, and then I'd play it twice. Okay. And then the second time, if I liked it, or the, you know, maybe three times, possibly. And then I'd listen to the drum tracks. I'd go, I like this track. Let's use this track. And I already have a bass and a, and a drum, uh, bass drums and guitar or something to play to. And then I would punch in like okay. one area if I didn't like it. And that was my ability to do what everybody else did now. Yeah. Right so I've been on, recording man. like that since 1982. Uh, and then when, when all the internet stuff started happening, you know, I kind of recorded with a, a band, right? And then I would do the drums and do it the way I wanted, and they would do it. You right know? On. And then, like, you know, I used to start going to different places. We really started in the 90s for me because I was doing my record, the Guitar uh, Zeus. I don't know if you guys hear that Guitar Zeus record. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I got all the greatest guitar players. I had everybody but... Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck on it. You know, you I didn't that. get a call either. I didn't get a call either. But that's okay. Yeah. Go on, go on. <laughs> you know, so the first time I did something like that is when I was going to Japan. Right. Do a guitar's this Japan, and uh, the engineer was uh, Billy, um, who plays with, bass with uh, Yes now. Okay. Used to do all the stuff Bass with Patrick. So I did some stuff with him, and I said, I got to go to Japan and do this. At the time, there were Things uh, like uh, ADATs and stuff like that were just coming mm -hmm. out. And and uh, I think it was a D88. You could, it was like small. You could put it in your pocket. Right. So I, had a, I had a whole pile of 24-track tapes. And I said, well, I got to go to Japan. Yeah, I got to bring this with a click to Japan. You know, it's gonna, what, do, what should I do? He said, what would you rather do? He pointed down to the, the pile of 24-track tapes, which weigh a lot. And he took a D88 tape. He said, well, take this and put it in your pocket. Wow. I said, I'll take that and put it in my pocket. So that was really the first time I did anything like that. And I went to Japan and I recorded all the guitar players there, brought it back. We put it onto the 24 track. So that started this whole digital thing for me. So I never liked digital. Excellent. You know, I still think you get a better drum sound on analog, but they have a, a lot of programs which make the analog sound more, uh, the digital sound analog. The King Cobra record, we ran it through an analog um, processor, even though we tried to send it to my buddy that mixed, uh, uh, he did the last Cactus record, and okay. he took the digital and ran it to the analog tape, and then back to digital. Right. And that sort of warmed it up. But Pat Regan had a program that made it sound good, so we we did that with the King Cobra uh, album, and then we did it with we sent it to my buddy Steve, ran it through the analog, and then Pat ran it through the analog processor, and the processor sounded better. Right you on. There's so much crap. Right. Doing, but I'm so used to doing it now. Like I've done two instrumental albums here. I've done. I produced a, a lady named Lisa G. I did. Uh, some sessions for uh, for Cleopatra through this. I've done so much stuff here. I did a Cactus record here. I've done um, now the King Cobra record. I'm working on the other Cactus record. And uh, I know I'm missing a couple. <laughs> well, so that's because you never stop. <laughs> I'm so used to doing it 
you know, that it's easy. You know, right. my project come in here, I have some popcorn there if I want it, you know. And <laughs> I sit down, I put the headset on, I press play, and I listen to what I'm going to play to, and I play it once or twice. Right. I tell you, the craziest thing I've done here was this cactus record that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Here are all these guys on it. <clears throat> I started here with nobody else, right? So I put the click on, and like there's a song called Parchment Farm, which is like a, the song that um, Van Halen's guys got Hoffa Teacher idea for. Okay. You know, really fast. So I know the song. I played it a lot of times. So in my head, I put the click on. It was 242 beats per minute, which is fast. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, here we go. And in my head, I'm playing it in my head. And I played the whole song like that. And I did wow. another song like that. And I said, you know what? This is really hard. It's got to be a better way. So what I did, put the click down, and then I mouthed the song. Right. You know? Like I would go, uh, like a song called Evil. I go, bam, bam, jet me the drums. Wrong way from home. And I would do that with my voice and do the whole song like that. When I did the solo, I go, uh, 24 bar solo. And I count it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I have the drum track with the click with my voice. Right. That's then awesome. I would take that and send it to the singer, and he would put a guitar on it and sing mm -hmm. it. It's crazy. You know? It is. It's crazy. People can't believe I started it with the drums, because usually the, the drums go on after a guitar and a vocal. Sure. Well, you're easy to work with, you know, as a guitarist, if, if a drummer was able to articulate what he was looking for like that job easy you know what i mean you just laid it all out right there with your voice it makes sense yeah, yeah. well because i'm a singer as well so i uh, i i play drums um melodically according to the vocals and the riffs you know right, right. Well, well obviously well, people know the most probably the biggest some of the biggest hits you've worked yeah tell us about about how how that even happened like it was do you think i'm sexy is that correct yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, uh, I have a show I put together. It's called The Rod Experience, where I got a guy who looks like Rod, and I put a great band together. Right. And I get to play those songs again, which I never yeah. played. You know, I saw Rod Stewart a year and a half ago. I'm watching the audience reaction, and they're loving it. I said, man, I don't get to play these songs anymore. And I did it <laughs> like in 2014, I did it. I went to China with it, and I actually had guys who played with Rod in the band. But then that got too too expensive to have a rehearsal. It cost five grand to have a rehearsal. They were all over the country, you know. Yeah. Right. Uh, but but I'm doing it now with local guys in Florida, and my same guy that looks like Rod sings like Rod. Myself, nice. Tell some stories, and we play songs. And we did our first gig with that in Vegas, uh, first big gig. We did one out in Florida, and it went great. It was packed house, and uh, people loved it. But you know, those songs came about just from Rod was always looking at the charts and going, like at the time, uh, the, the Stones had that Missing You song. Mm -hmm. And he says, I want a song like that. <clears throat> so I play a little keyboard, and I learned uh, in high school, I had theory and harmony. And I went home and I put down with a drum machine, the same tempo, same kind of chords, different kind of chords, same vibe. And I went to my buddy Dwayne's house, had an eight-track studio in his house, and we, and we did a really good version of it. And right. he had bridge to it and we presented it to rod everybody presented the, their ideas and and he loved mine so excellent we did well, that and same thing with young turks he wanted a song a new wave kind of song 
And me and Dwayne were screwing around with uh, Oberheim drum machines. So we, mm-hmm. we did the Young Turks track. We used the drum machine. And I added hi-hat and cymbals to it. You right know, on. I programmed the drum machine. And that was the second hit with him, you know. And, sure. Right. You know, and and now I get to play those songs live. This weekend we're playing in uh, New Jersey and New York. Uh, Levoy Theater on Friday. The Newton Theater on Saturday. And the Patchwork Theater on Long Island on Sunday. Very we're good, man. experience show, you know. It's, well, as and always, pay, and it pays enough money to to fly everybody. Sure, you know? there you go. Well, because of all the hits. Certainly. Well, as always, man, you always stay busy. You always have great projects. Um, we're gonna wrap this one up, Carmine. We're gonna play a little bit of the video for "We Are Warriors." Um, it's out now. People should check it out. Carmine, a piece. Make sure you check out Cactus and keep up. And, and um, and there's a new uh, um, lyric video too. Of, okay. Uh, one of the tracks, I forgot which track they used, but it's probably going to be right next to We Are Warriors on YouTube. Very good. Well, check them both out. We are going to play We Are Warriors and Carmine. Thanks as always for joining us here on Chris Aiken Presents. Good to meet you, Carmine. Okay, man. See you soon, eh? See ya. Ciao.